Hello and welcome to Football Grain Geek. I'm Adam. I'm Marlon. And I'm Joe. After a brief hiatus of the Football Gravy podcast, I thought just having a Football Gravy is not enough because a lot has happened. Um, Principally, that's because after a dormant period of diligent, responsible club management, Premier League clubs are now undeservedly firing managers again. Finally. Um, It seemed that for a moment in time, Premier League boardrooms had forgotten that instead of doing any hard work, they could just sack the gaffer. Um, It started in early October with Watford. But ever since Steve Bruce was left crying on the curb outside St James's Park, this is my hometown. Can I have a can I have a Steve Bruce? Oh, I don't have it ready. Okay. Uh, oh, this is my hometown club that I've I've given two excellent mid-table finishes uh, uh, to after being consecutively tipped for relegation. I've been a fan since the It's my hometown club. When I was seven, I broke into the St James's Park because I wanted to watch the team because I love them. So shut up, you mangled-nosed Brucey. There's a new kid on the block in Northumberland and his name is his Royal Majesty Prince Mohammed bin Salman bin Abdulaziz Al Saud. It's sunrise. <laughs> in the blink of an eye, the sensible Dean Smith has been replaced by the generous Steve Gerrard. The buoyant Steve Bruce has been replaced by the handy Eddie Howe. The fantastic Daniel Fark has yet to be replaced. The studious Nuno Espirito Santo has been replaced by the cunning Antonio Conte. And the monotone Cisco Manos has been replaced by the rambunctious Claudio Ranieri. So what I'm saying is, instead of a football gravy, this week uh, I'm going to go for a footballing feast. Um, And for this, I have to defer to the expertise uh, of one of the key key players involved, uh, and it's the Norwich chairman, owner, and former relevant television chef Delia Smith. Um, and I was looking through her catalogue, and from her 1995 cookbook, uh, Delia's winter collection, we got a recipe for a managerial Premier League clusterfuck. Um, and for a managerial Premier League clusterfuck, you will need four toxic fan bases, seven large clueless Premier League boardrooms. Or 10 medium-sized ones if you can't find large in the supermarket. Uh, Two tablespoons of unfounded belief in an unproven manager. One organic free-range egg on your face. And 250 mils of Marlon stockpot. Um, You combine these ingredients in the mixer. Add a dash of Dan Levy's ego. Only just a few drops because it's it's, uh, it's very overpowering. And then you stick that in an empty trophy cabinet for two or three years and each club will find itself exactly where it was before it sacked its manager. That's the football feast uh, for this week. Bon appétit. Okay. (laughs) Well, well, well. Uh, How long did that take to prepare? It was good. Uh, Like 10 minutes. About as long as it took to say. (laughs) (laughs) Should we move straight on to the manager sackings so um well first we had Watford with their uh you know annual sacking of the season and annual try quarterly well Bi-annual. yeah didn't they have three or four managers in one season a couple the of years ago 
Um, and they sacked somebody that nobody really knew or cared about, or you know, uh, I'm not sure I can even pronounce his name in Zisco Munoz. Zisco yeah. Munoz. I think his name is like Zisco Monotone. Was it <laughs> Munoz? If 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 you refer to uh, the uh, the football feast for this week, it was Monotone Cisco Munoz. There you go. Replaced by the Rambanchus. Claudio Ranieri. Well, he's a bit of a, a nameless, faceless, you know, Watford manager that just blends in with all the other ones. It makes him um, easy to sack. Whereas Claudio <laughs> will be harder to sack because people actually like him. True, true. I don't think that will stop Watford. Well, it will certainly make me feel sadder when he does get sacked. I'm just picturing, like... You know those scenes in like TV shows where they line up all the criminals in the orange yeah. juncture suits and they've got like five options. That's what it feels like Watford are doing every single year. Picking their manager from a lineup. Yeah. Again, the um... in- indistinguishable, unpronounceable <laughs> European European continental managers. The Italian mafia just sound them out. Was it the Pozzo family? With all their contacts, they sort of uh, threaten them to take the job or else. You don't get that big in Italy without a uh, blessing of the of the mafia. So he was sacked um, by Watford on the 3rd of October. And like you said, he was replaced by Claudio Ranieri. Can we use his full name, please? I was going to say that that's a bit insulting. You're not on a first name basis, but then yeah. Go on then. The rambunctious Claudio Ranieri. A dilly ding, dilly dong. <laughs> They'll be in Champions League, man. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that? About the same I... as that dead air. <laughs> Just dead air. I love Claudio. Glad he's back. Great personality. No surprise that he's brought a little bit of enthusiasm that's uh, translated onto the pitch. Um, I hope he lasts the full season. And I think Watford are good enough to stay up. They had a very good start. I think Saar has been pretty good throughout. Um, they've got a ridiculous goalkeeper in Ben Foster, which is a shame, but still fun to see. And I think it's just a, it makes them a more interesting and fun club uh, now. And they've got some players that are physical, that put the effort in and put their bodies about. Um, so I think they'll get enough points to stay up, and I think having Claudio will uh, will guarantee that. Really, that's quite I bold. I just love Claudio. I think he's the man. I think people forget as well that he he's been a manager for so long, and he has been, you know, an elite level manager for a period. Obviously, he's he manages smaller clubs now, but you know, he's 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 he can. Uh, it, it, it's not going to work out everywhere he goes, obviously, and I think he's become less successful as he's as he's gone on. But you saw with Leicester that he is—he still has the residuals of what it takes to be a really top-class manager. So I, I, I like that. I like that appointment. Would his uh, time, his last time in the Premier League with Fulham, not put you off in any way? He was at Fulham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the hell? I... <laughs> when? Do you actually not remember that? I don't really pay attention to Fulham because they just go down every year they come up. 
Yeah, they went down. I think Fulham in 2018-19. Did he do the whole yeah. season? I think they sacked him just before they went down. I'm not sure. I didn't have a clue. But he was doing quite bad. Yeah. Did he replace another really boring manager as well when he went to Fulham? Was he before or after Scott Parker? Uh, I think he was before. Well, obviously before Scott Parker. Yeah, he he replaced Slavishka Jokanovic. Oh, yeah. Um, Another guy I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But yeah, no, I, I, I like I like I like the appointment. I like the appointment. Just because Fulham already have um I mean Watford. I sorry. I mean Watford um already have some very strong players. I just I think they've got a nice balance in their squad that they already have so that he's not going to um toy with. Whether he's an expert tactician, probably not. You're not going to expert tactician your way to a Premier League title out of nowhere with Leicester. But what you can do um, is inspire a group of good, mentally tough, um, benevolent, you know, well-meaning players um, to, to, you know, to outperform themselves. Um, so I, I, I could see him doing a good job at Watford on that basis but feel free to disagree with me my issue with it is I don't see because I thought Watford were going to stay up my issue with it is they're currently in 17th you look at the teams below them you've got Norwich Newcastle and Burnley I think they'll stay above Norwich and Burnley Newcastle you presume you're going to throw the kitchen sink at January and surely are going to claw back the five point gap when you look at the teams just ahead of Watford, you've got Aston Villa, who should be better. Leeds United, who should be better. Brentford, who are on the down currently. So maybe they, they're scrapping with Brentford. And then you've got Southampton, who have been in a better form recently. So for Watford to stay up, for me, they're kind of in a battle with sort of Brentford, I guess. And I mean, do you think Watford are going to finish above Brentford in the league this year? I think Watford will finish above Brentford this year. So you think Brentford are going to go down? Love it. Um, well, I, I don't know that much, but what I base my uh, my faith in Watford on is that I think I hadn't seen... I saw the first couple of games they played and then I watched uh, a good 20, 30 minutes of the Arsenal game, which was their last game out. Um, and obviously they had an impressive result um, against uh, against Everton one after after Claudio took over. Um, and I just think they have something. I mean, the reason why they've been able to sort of stay up with you know n- no no insult but players that that don't that aren't don't have the the finesse of some of the clubs around them. You think about Fulham coming up. And some of the, the players that Fulham had with Scott Parker last season, they had a lot of players with, with, with some finesse in the middle of the park going forward. Um, yeah, I think Watford, they seem to have that thing that takes them over the edge in a game. They seem to be able to grind a game out. Um, and so I, I, I think that will take them over the edge where other teams could, you know, 
outperform them but still lose because they're flaky or you know because they haven't got enough strength at the back or because they're not uh as willing to sit behind the ball and be focused for 90 minutes Watford have been playing sit behind the ball and focus for 90 minutes um for several seasons they're very good at it um so that's that's what I think that they've got that puts them above those other teams even when you know all of those other teams have had games where they've been playing free-flowing football that's probably better than than Watford but I think when you've got solid players tough players and you've got people like Saar that can that can play um on the counter-attack or or you know uh score bitty goals I, I think that will go go in their favour um but that's just me I think um well, personally, I think I'd probably side more with Adam in terms of uh, they well uh, and you as well to a certain point, Joe, because I think they've got some some good players up front, and I think they've got better players in Brentford um, on paper. So I think you know I think Brentford are starting to falter now a bit as well. So the way it's going, I think they could probably finish ahead of Brentford. But then you look at Newcastle, you look at Villa, you look at Leeds, um, you look at Burnley, who are the, the experts in it. And, you know, uh, uh, is there only so much Ranieri can do to get from these players? At the end of the day, it's the players, isn't it? Out on the field. Um, I think I think they've got some good attackers, but I'm not so sure about the defence. I think it's a bit ropey. I'm not I'm not sure about you, Je- what with... I think I, I think I mean, it's ropey, but I also do think they're experienced Premier League players. I think Cathcart, yeah, Cathcart, Rose, Rose, yeah, they're experienced. They've been in squads. They've been for a long time. They're not all. This is an, obviously a new look, uh, sort of Premier League back four. But I still think that there's enough toughness in there to get through. Obviously, it's not an amazing back four. It's not going to make mistakes and be you know stupid. But they're you know two. Good, strong centre backs. You know, nothing, nothing too much to worry about. They don't have to worry about too much playing the ball out from the back or being overly cute. Um, and you've got Sissoko in the middle of the park, who you know is going to be strong and erratic and do more running. Um, Josh King, who's very competent going forward and is an upgrade on uh, on Troy Deeney. Um, and his Sart, who's the if they can keep him fit, then he will. You know. They've been close in a lot of games. They've lost a few games one nil. You know, he can he can take you over the edge in other games where they I think the first game of the season they won one nil via an Ismaila Sar goal. So I, I that's that that's that's mm. what I that's what I foresee in my um in my crystal ball. Um but what about Brucey then? You've talked about Newcastle are gonna throw the kit we're gonna Newcastle gonna throw the kitchen sink at January, so it's been possible to see um, them going down, uh, even though they've. They, I think they're the only Premier League team without a win. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, how how do we see that going, and what do we think of the appointment of Eddie Howe? When I said about Newcastle going to be finishing above Watford, that's. I, I don't think that's based on anything to do with the manager. I think if Steve Bruce stays, they finish above Watford. I think if Eddie Howe comes in, they finish above Watford. It's more about the Saudi owners, obviously, and the money. Well, I, like, I love the squad they have now. I think the squad they have now is a nice balanced squad. And I think even without making any additions, they would probably um, 
survive. But it's like you said, like Steve Bruce didn't necessarily deserve to be sat. Well, you can argue he did, but based on the last two seasons, he didn't. And he's got a good squad, and you back, I, I would back him to turn it around. Definitely. I, I understand wanting to move on from Steve Bruce, but it's funny how things have transpired where they're trying to get a manager that's above Newcastle. And I think the best name that looked realistic and looked like it could happen was Unai Emery, which is funny because I don't think that's the type of appointment that would have suited him because his strength has always been managing in Spain with a shoestring budget. You've seen him falter at both PSG and Arsenal when he's been given the money and he spent the money very poorly. One interesting fact on the Arsenal point, our last three wins have all come without a single Unai Emery signing on the pitch. So I think if you put him in that Newcastle job, he would not have been the right fit. But it's also funny. because it's so far up north and it's dark yeah. all the time, he'd, be, he'd think it's a good evening every, every all the time. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Wake up, good evening, lunchtime, good evening, you know, <laughs> in so, the evening, good evening. I, I think that's... People would get annoyed. It's good that they didn't get him because I don't think he would have got them to where they want to be. Equally, I don't think Eddie Howe's going to get them to where they want to be because, no. again, his success has been on getting Bournemouth from League One to the Premier League and sustaining Premier League for a few years. He's unproven. He's just unproven at that level. No. You're, you're, giving you're, taking a le- you're making a leap of faith when, yeah. when you had Steve Bruce who could have you know, kept you up and then send him on his way and get someone in in the summer and do a proper, you know, go from the summer. And you could do a proper vetting process of a new manager rather than... I mean, I think it's fair to say their managerial search was nothing short of shambolic, the way that it all came about. So I think they could have... I mean, you say that, but I I, I don't think they could get what they want. I mean, what they want is is too far above where they are now. No, No one in their right mind... Well, I think you'd have to make one really big sort of promise and a, and a big paycheck to whoever comes in um, to attract a, a, a bigger name than Eddie Howe or I mean you saw Unai didn't want to go there um, that's despite probably them offering him a war chest as it's uh, as the papers like to put it in in January um, I'm not sure they could get who they want where they want to go now someone to take that I think they've had to take a little bit of a, a baby step and get Eddie Howe who's Different from Bruce in terms of, um, you know, they're going to be playing more the football that the fans want to see and maybe what the, the new owners want to be associated with. So I think maybe, I mean, you you look at it and you'd say Eddie Howe could probably get a similar position to Steve Bruce in the league at come the end of the season. It wouldn't be too far off, I don't think. But well, I, in I don't terms think of the manager has anything to do with the performance of the squad, with what they're I, going to do in January. I think Maybe between now and January, there's there was some managerial. I think as well, like Eddie Howe had a very stable group of players with him at Bournemouth over a few years, and if anything, the fact that they spent um, the summer before uh, when he got when he got sacked, uh, I think they they spent they started. I think they, is that when they bought like Solanke for like fifteen twenty million, yeah. and they, they they you know they started making a few more marquee signings. That's when it didn't work, and exactly, and that's when it it didn't work. So I think the fact that obviously you've got the Saudi owners who are going to want to see change and they're going to want, you know, marquees that signify, um, you know, a change and, and, and a sort of a increased reputation of Newcastle, if anything, just financially, because it will look 
you know, it'll look great to the investors, you know, oh, look, we've got, you know, we, we mentioned before the, like the Man City equivalent of when they brought in Rubinho. Oh my goodness, we've got Rubinho. Look at, look at, look at how great we are. Secretly paying him like 500k a year, or a week rather, a year. Um, also, what is this war chest reference? <laughs> is there, what is, what is such thing as Do you a, not see when, that when is, in the yeah, papers? When is someone, what I don't understand is when has someone gone to war to get a chest? Yeah, and I think that every time I see it. all lying around everywhere. I know. What have they got in them? It's such a cliche. I find it so funny. Um, <laughs> that's why I mentioned it. Because Guys, they, the I, war is over. We can cover <laughs> the chest. You've got the, you got the war chest. Yes, war is over. Everyone can go home. Millions died, but we got this ornate chest that we can, you know, put on antique roadshow. Get I mean, a profit on it. At least you've got something to go into the cabinet, unlike Tottenham. Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, after Steve Bruce got. Uh, How's that for a transition, by the way? Beautiful, seamless. Mm. You know, before I went for the football feast, I was going to go for a um, a lubricant for the revolving door of managers. I, I skipped that idea, but um, seamless, smooth, silky, lubricated transition into the sacking of Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, who had the shortest time in charge of all the managers that got uh, sacked and then was subsequently replaced by Antonio Conte. Um, what, what are the thoughts on that? Adam? Um, <laughs> you did the transition. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great sacking because uh, <laughs> it was a terrible appointment. And I think we all knew that. And it was hilarious. Their whole managerial search was horrific. It was hilarious. They had a bad summer. There's no surprise he was sacked. Obviously, they won three games at the start of the season. They came up against a Man City team who were completely under undermanned. Don't get me wrong, Man City still should win the game with an undermanned team, but their squad was depleted. They beat Watford and I can't remember who the other team was, but I don't think it was anybody amazing. And they won three games, 1-0, and looked bad in all three. Oh, I think it was Wolves they beat. Um, and then subsequently they've lost five of their next eight games. It is a good sacking. And I think if nothing else, when someone like Antonio Conte is on the market, I think you have to jump at them. That being said, I don't think Antonio Conte takes them to where they want to be because I think Tottenham need a rebuild. I have no trust in that squad at all because I think above anything else, what I've seen from Tottenham in the last few months is just an absolutely disgusting attitude by that group of players. A group of players led by Harry Kane who has completely never gave the manager a chance. And I just think that's... That True. would really worry me if I was a Tottenham fan, looking at how easily my squad has just folded. Mm. We always joke about Tottenham being bottlers, but I think that this kind of proves it. They don't have a good mentality because they never gave Nuno a chance, as much yeah. as Nuno wasn't the right guy. And Antonio Conte will make them better. He might win a trophy with them. I mean, they should win this Conference League thing. Um, how are they doing in that? Are they? Oh, they were going to uh, go out of their group, but I think they won their last game, which means they they should be yeah, fine. They're managing to grind their way through just very painfully. Um, um, I, I think by the end of that eighteen-month contract, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird situation because Antonio shouldn't really have taken the job, in my opinion. I think he should have waited for that United job and that would have been far better. And I think he'll do reasonably well there. I just think they need to rebuild that team and it's not exactly mm. what they are going to want in a few years down the line. I think that's exactly like what I was thinking about it too. Because I think in the summer, with their hunt for, with Levy's hunt for a manager... They, they're looking at candidates who are short-term fixes. That the, the managers they're looking at, and I think this, it, this is, comes on uh, Daniel Levy, is they seem to just want immediate success all the time. He wants, you know, he wants to be fighting near the top of the league when, in actual fact, like you said, Adam, I think maybe they need a rebuild. They need to change things up a little bit and be a bit more sort of... Um, optimistic with the future and and build, start building something and Antonio Conte is not going to do that in my opinion I think everywhere he's gone he's been there for a couple of years and you know and then he ends up falling out with someone or something like that he brings you know immediate success which is what I think they want um, but then where are you down the line you're in a similar position I, I can't see them you know, overtaking some of the other top six clubs, as you'd like to call it, maybe, um, by the end of those 18 months with Antonio Conte in charge. They might win a trophy, you know, the Conference League, or are they out of the Carabao Cup? I think they're in the Carabao, but they've that's, got West Ham, and then they're going to, you're presumably going to have to go through Chelsea or Liverpool on the way. Still yeah. currently their best shot at a trophy. They could, they they could do it. So far, the Conference League's got so far to go. It's just but so but the games. thing is, I think you have to play three harder games. Unless Sunderland beat Arsenal, I think you have to play three harder games in the EFL Cup. And you probably play one team that's of the equivalent of the three teams you'd have to play in the Conference League. Yeah, but the Conference League is uh, I know it's a, it's a much longer competition and they I rotate so. I their players like much away more. in Europe. Like those players, yeah, they're they're weak. You know, I I, I think it's a better. Job. I think they're just going to come up against easier opposition. I think even West Ham are going to give them a, a hard game, and it's only going to get harder after that. Would does if you win the Carabao Cup, does it grant you entry into the Conference League? It'd be Europa, or is it, it or is it the Europa League? It's a good Europa. question because well, obviously it needs to be it. FA Cup win, Carabao Cup win, plus fifth place unless the Carabao Cup winner or the FA Cup winner got into the top four, in which the, the place in the Europa League is deferred to sixth and seventh. Yeah. So now, which is the one that goes takes you to the Conference League and which is the one that takes you to the Europa League? Is it not, not, sure. is it not seventh place goes Conference League and then... What, taking the fifth place away? So it would just be... Oh, maybe. So it would just be potentially only the... What, fifth place would be Conference League? No, wait. Is is what you're saying, Adam? Fifth and sixth is still Europa, fifth and, and seventh is conference. Yeah, but obviously it's done by the cup as well. It's yeah. weird. You don't. You just don't get it happen that often in recent years. I think it would have been Wigan would have been the last time mm. a team won or Swansea maybe. maybe. They they yeah. won uh, Carabao Cup in 2013. But yeah, if you win the Conference League, you get no, into the Europa League, don't you? I presume so. So then maybe if the Carabao Cup is immediate into the Europa League, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I'm not too, I'm not too well, sure. I think on, what... on the EFL website, it says they qualify for the subsequent season's Europa League. But on an article in The Sun from April this year, 
it says that the Carabao, the winner of the Carabao Cup will now qualify for UEFA's third tier competition, the Europa, Europa, Europa Conference League instead. Right. So, so they, they would rather win messages. the... In that case, you would rather win the Conference League because yeah. then you get into the Europa rather than well, I, I mean, the Carabao the Cup. Is, what this appointment says to me when you're talking about the immediacy of what Tottenham are going for, part of me feels like Daniel Levy has taken a look back at the last sort of seven years or so since Poch. Well, when did Poch join? Like 2014, 2015? When was it later? So he's looked at the last seven years or so. Seven years, which you would have, like, in, by Tottenham standards, I think you have to say that's been a successful seven years or so. Perhaps. Would you- yeah, of course. They've gone from being a mid-table side to some would I mean, say they were on the edge of relegation at one got, point, weren't they? They got the Champions League final. I mean, it has been successful by Tottenham standards. Mm. Part of me thinks that this is kind of, as we've seen with the Jose Mourinho appointment, it's sort of ro- rolling a dice and trying to sort of vindicate this era of Tottenham, which is their best era in a while. And if you can cap that off with a trophy, I don't think they should even be looking at which competition they're going to qualify for. It's more about can you win that trophy that vindicates the the last seven years? Because, again, like the thing with Arsenal, our last seven years or so, that it's been a decline. But could you imagine how people would look at the last seven years of Arsenal if we hadn't won three FA Cups and two community shields or whatever it is at least we've got something out of it and a trophy really sort of makes a season what's a bigger trophy what's a bigger trophy for you adam a community shield or a europa conference league trophy <laughs> i would honestly say well the the open i've got my i've got all my fingers together tantalizing <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> right because again the team you play in the community shield is likely to be better than any team you have to play in the Conference League. Because mm. presumably you're playing Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Leicester, Arsenal, Man United. Well, the best team in the Conference League aside from Tottenham is Roma, who are struggling to get past that Norwegian team. I don't think they, I think they lost and drew to that Nor- Norwegian team. Yeah, Mourinho got very angry. So... I don't, I don't know how it works with third-place teams dropping down, but I think I had a look the other day. Unless a Napoli or a Leicester drop down, Tottenham are going to be the best team in that competition. Is that the right way to judge it, though? Because, I mean... It's not you... the right way to judge it, because you're right in the sense that the more games you have, the more likely you are to slip up. It just... I mean, obviously, nobody really cares about the Community Shield or the Conference League at the end of the day. I'd, I'd probably put them in a similar bracket of... It's funny when Tottenham fans are good. Someone's going to be a Tottenham fan's going to be asked this question on a podcast in ten years' time. He's going to go, "Well, if it was for the the two Carabao Cups and the three Europa Conference Leagues we won, um, yes. <laughs> would you that's win? generous." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. One but it feels two. like they are trying to sort of vindicate an era, and I think I agree with you. I think Conte is the and is the best appointment they could have probably possibly made for that. Albeit, uh, yeah. albeit, you know. It's it's very unlikely that he'll get that, but he's he's very good and he's already sort of come in and you know supposedly he's banned some of the uh, like pizza and junk food and fizzy drinks from the 
the complex, the training complex. Harry Kane's been stuffing his face for the last week. They're That's not allowed his, ketchup why either. His voice is always so stuffy. <laughs> he's just like halfway through. It's, it's the pizza crust is scratching his throat. That's yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, like you say, they they need a rebuild. And I think the probably the biggest problem with Conte is that he, he's only going to be there for two or three years. At the end of those two years, you're going to have a bunch of your amazing players who are now in their really positively in the twilight where they're not they've way past their peak in the likes of Harry Kane, uh, Hyung-Min Son or Deli Ali or Hugo Lloris, um, Eric Dyer maybe. And it's going to be, the, the, you're not going to have that transition period. It's not going to be as, as, uh, as seamless. It's almost going to be like, you have that two years of Antonio Conte, God help you win a trophy because after that, you're going to be, you're going to be in a screwed position. Mm. Um, on the other hand, you know, what happens in those two years if you commit to a transition, it, it might not go your way. And the positive of having Antonio Conte, like Adam says, is that you've had this seven-year period of bringing together a good squad of players, some good English players as well, getting to a Champions League final, then, you know, rolling the dice and trying to to, to win a cup that you would have won one, probably, possibly with Jose Mourinho if uh, Daniel Levy's overpowering ego that you just had a dash of to the football feast didn't get in the way um, then you know maybe you take it because I think Adam's mentioned before that it's kind of an inevitable decline so it, it could work out for them but I'm, I'm it's, it's annoying I think from Nuno's point of view because he just wasn't given a chance not only by the club but like Adam said by the players um, yeah I think um, you know they're going to have to do. They're going to have to encounter this rebuild at some point, and they're just putting it off further down the line. I think it ties into why um, Lady was so adamant. Students wait to the last minute to submit their essay. Yeah, true, true. Um, I I think it ties in with um, not selling Kane in the summer too. You know, they they see this as a a squad that they want to win something with now. Um, and they don't want to be, you know, doing any sort of rebuild or anything like that. I think they're putting it off to further down the line. It's inevitable, in my opinion. But, um, you know, that he and Antonio Conte is another one of these managers that's uh, supposedly been promised a war chest in January. So we'll have to see what happens. They're going to war. My issue with, the, with um, this January situation, I think... It's different for Newcastle, I think, just because they're coming from a far lower position. But obviously, January is the worst time. Well, obviously, there's only two transfer windows. January is significantly worse to buy players from because you're either buying players who clubs don't want, and usually there's a reason for that, or you are buying players at a premium because the club does want that player. And... They don't want to lose that player mid-season, so they want a higher valuation for that player. So this whole war chest in January is, is again, like, is it worth Tottenham spending, let's say, £80 in January? And instead of finishing eighth, they finish sixth. Is that worth it when they could have waited and finished eighth and kept that £80 and spent it a lot better in the summer so that next season they could finish higher 
It's a good point because I don't think it is worth it. Because I'd say it'd be worth it if they win the trophy. But then again, you can buy. There are other players that you can buy that are gonna that could do a job for you for fifteen minutes in a in the final of a of a, of a match of a, of a competition rather. You know, a player that comes on fifteen minutes at the end that's you know six foot seven plays in the championship that will you know you can put in the box and could win get you the the winner or something like that is more valuable than some sort of prodigy um, that's being overpaid and that wants to come to the Premier League for, you know, get an extra million Instagram followers, get some sponsors, wear some ridiculous shoes, drive some ridiculous cars and, you know, every once in a while score a decent goal that goes on the highlight reel. That's not going to win you a trophy. Um, Lamella. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Lamella Lamella doesn't quite fall into that mould because I don't think he was ever really good enough but he he thinks he's that player he definitely thinks he's that player um so yeah do you want to go on to norwich sure daniel fark the longest serving of all the managers i think he, he did over four years um and then a bit with this with this start of this season yet to be replaced uh the three names on the, their shortlist are dean smith Ralph Hasenhutl and Frank Lampard, supposedly. Let Marlon start on this one. Well, I think the Norwich fans are, you know, asking for their manager. Where are you? <laughs> um, <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> because they still haven't found anyone. Although I've seen today that um, Frank Lampard is supposedly taking the job. Well, that was from Talk Sport, so I'm not sure how reliable it is. Is that the red-faced um, guy? <laughs> Alan Brazil. It's just talk sport sources. So Steve I don't know if coming out of his ear. Ketchup and mayonnaise, but, uh, you know. You won't find um, Tottenham players there. Huh? Alan Brazil. <laughs> sat on the Copacabana beach scouting <laughs> for the uh, Brazil's national female volleyball squad. Beach volleyball. I think two of those managers are on the shortlist are you know, fairly realistic. I'm not sure, as a Southampton fan, I, I can't see Ralph Hasenhutl going to Norwich midway through the season. I think that's... Especially after he's just started doing half-decent yeah. season as well. I think that's nigh on impossible, to be honest with you. I don't know what they're thinking of. I don't know how deluded they are, but uh, I mean, I'm Maybe not going to say... I, you, only if you have like major self-destructive tendencies, which you want to, <laughs> you know, if you're you're related to a kamikaze pilot, would you want to um, go like take on that job if you're the Saints manager? Well, I think so, it yeah, is a little bit, let's be honest. But uh... yeah. mainly, I mean, he's been very, very loyal and committed and he's very passionate and uh, believes in what he's doing at Saints. So um, I, I, I really like Ralph. But, I could um, see why Norwich wanted because he'd fit into their sort of what I think what they see themselves as a sort of positively driven club and they're sort of attacking. They want to play attacking football. And I think that's kind of how they see themselves. Hasenhutl, you know, he he's suffered some sort of heavy defeats, but, you know, he's going to he'd fit into their sort of vision I think could you imagine like obviously there's been two nine nils for Southampton could you imagine how nine. many there would be <laughs> Norwich if he was there 
every yeah, game. That... It just goes 9-0, 9-1, 9-2. That's the progression. 9-3, <laughs> Eventually, you get to 9-9. Nine, nine. We're an attacking team, guys. <laughs> uh, um, but I could see Lampard, maybe, from what I've heard today as well. And I think maybe Lampard, he might look at it if, as long as he's prepared to go down to the championship next season. Um, but I think maybe Norwich is bored. They might sort of talk to him in terms Sounds like of... Sounds they're bored, sacking Daniel Farr after four and a half years. <laughs> Why? Oh, because we're going to get relegated. What? Yeah. Yeah. But I think I, they had to do yeah. something, didn't they? I think no, what, they, what, what, they need to do more than sack their manager to get... Like, they want to stay in the Premier League. They haven't been able to do it. They, they, what, they've been in three or four times in the last 10 years and they've not been able to stay up at all. It needs more mm. than a managerial change to stay up. Maybe it's just the first step, though. I mean, you you look at it and you think, well, they but, did. They had to do something. They couldn't, they couldn't keep him there, though, could they? Do you actually think like they could just you, keep him? You, the, he, he is above... Be potentially above the level of Norwich. Like, who are you going to get in that's better than Daniel Farker? Because none of like Hassan Hutu is the only manager on that shortlist that is better than Daniel Farker, right? I think and it's the one that we agree to, they're yeah. not going to get. I think if you unless you want to change sort of the identity of the club, well, that's or, what Newcastle you, or you don't like the way that he's playing and you want someone that's going to play. Defensive a, diff- a different kind mm. of football or you know then and that something that you sort of maybe suggested to Fark over the, the course of the time that he was in charge but he was never going to do then maybe I could understand it or if you're not happy with the kind of recruitment he likes or there's I don't know you've got a new person on the board and completely disagrees with him then maybe I could understand it but you know you're taking a massive gamble um I think, but I, I, I like um, Frank getting in, getting in there. Um, I think when we come up to Stevie in a minute, uh, though, I would definitely sort of compare them and sort of contrast and say, well, what gives Stephen Gerard Gerard, who slipped on his ass, the sort of <laughs> uh, being in this position where he can take on a, on a job like Aston Villa but Frank has to take a job like Norwich I think it's, it's good, it'd be good for Frank because it leaves him in a very valuable position if anything in a better position than he was when he left Derby because Derby very quickly uh, receded after uh, he left um, after getting to the uh, the playoff final um, and I think you know when Derby when he was in charge of Derby and got them into the playoff final they weren't an automatic promotion favourite. But when Norwich go down, they'll be one of the automatic promotion favourites. So I think, you know, it puts him in, in, in a valuable position in that sense. Um, but I think he did very well at Chelsea. And it was, it's a shame that no one's sort of taken a chance on him, though I do understand it. Um, so it would be nice to have him have him back. I think it's... I agree it's a good, like, place for him to go. If only... If it, presuming they're not going to sack him for getting relegated because they are going down, there is nothing they can do about that. If he stays there at the championship and he comes up first season, even if it takes him two years to come up, obviously you don't know what he's going to do when he does come up. But if I was him, I would go down, 
get them promoted and leave the moment they get promoted because you know you're going to be sacked yeah. in that season. And if he can leave at the perfect moment, he can leverage the experience and the value he's provided Norwich into getting that more stable Premier League job that he's most likely after. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds like maybe Gerard and Lampard are taking the wrong jobs and it should be swapped around because I think maybe on paper from what I've seen I, I don't watch uh, the Scottish League but it, Gerard's only managed Rangers and for a couple should. of years no exactly and uh, he's he's won a trophy with Rangers when I mean Celtic were dominant let's be honest but is it that is it that much of a feat for Stephen Gerrard maybe we'll, when we get on to talking about Gerrard a bit more but I mean, maybe uh, maybe they've um, taken the wrong sort of jobs and it should be swapped around a little bit. Yeah. So let's get on to talking about Gerard. <laughs> Dean Great Smith transition. Uh, the day after Daniel Farr, uh on the 7th of November. Um, um, give 110%. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the, for me... I, I don't see, I think Frank's a better manager than Steve based on the data that we have on the evidence because, you know, Frank almost got Derby promoted and then what after he left, they went into the shit. And then, you know, Stevie's gone up to uh, uh, up to there and was going against Neil Lennon, who is not a very good manager and was, you know, diligently sacked um, like two thirds way through to the season when it was clear that Rangers were running away with it. Because it would be something if when Steve came in and uh, in that first season took the title off of Celtic and had a really close battle with Celtic. But it always it looked for most of the season that Rangers were in the front, uh, Rangers were in the front seat. Um, so I think it's a great feat of Steve Gerrard Gerrard. But I think when you look more specifically at, 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 at uh, sort of the challenge that Celtic took to them, because I'm not saying it, it definitely wasn't easy for, for um, Gerard to do what he's done. And it is a very impressive feat. But I think he didn't, it wasn't a great competition from Celtic. And then also, I think Frank's obviously had longer, he was successful at Chelsea at a top level. Um, and then through little fault of his own, really, um, was sacked, albeit it was the right decision because Tuchel went on to do uh, uh, a great one. Um, but I think the, best argument for having Steve Gerard Gerard is that he was at a top club for so long, was a leader in that dressing room for so long, um, worked under some great managers um, and also under self und, and at Rangers. I think whether you talk about his tactics or the quality of players he had or blah, 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 or what he managed to get out of them. I think the key there is that he, he uh, was in charge of a team that had a really good winning mentality because at the top in Scotland, if you want to win, you're basically going to win every single game. And if you lose a game, then that's a massive headline. Um, so being able to perpetuate and manage that kind of mentality in a team, especially when you're Aston Villa, when you've sold a big player and you're unhappy that Dean Smith, um, under Dean Smith, the club hasn't sort of taken that next step. Steve, Stephen Gerrard, I keep saying Steve Gerrard, Gerrard um, is someone that has a track record of being able to implement that mentality within a squad, either as a captain, 
and then also as a manager at Rangers. But beyond that, in terms of his longevity, his tactics, his, his sort of footballing nows, I don't really see, um, I don't know whether he's going to bring anything. Um, and I think as well, I mean, we talked about looking at Frank, Eddie Howe and Stephen Gerrard, three young British managers, a, a manager who is, I think, slightly older than all of them, but should have gotten a look in for these jobs, I think, is Graham Potter. And it's really, you know, I would really like to see him take over at a club like Aston Villa, albeit I'm sure he's very happy at Brighton and they're doing really well in the table. So, you know, but I, you know, that would have been something I'd like to see. And that's sort of what I think about Stephen Gerard Gerard taking over at Villa. Just to sort of take it back to Dean Smith quickly. I think he was, for me, out of the five. Yeah, I mean, that is the attitude towards Dean Smith. <laughs> out of the five, I think he was the most surprising sacking to me. Uh, yeah, well, maybe the Norwich sacking was surprising, but it, it's this was a surprising sacking. And I just think it's important to say this is like the last international break until March, I believe, which is why these managers all got sacked in the space of about a week, because you now get two, two and a half weeks to sort of set up your team for the next few months. So I, I think that's potentially yeah. why they pulled the trigger if they were feeling a bit uncertain. Mm. In terms of Graham Potter, I don't if I'm Graham Potter, I'm not taking Aston Villa job. And I'm, no. I'm holding out because I can do better. Because I, I, I yeah, but is he, yeah, I think I think he's of the quality that he can do better, but is he gonna get better? I mean obviously well, he, has, he, he needs has to take chance. If he can do well at Brighton, why take a risk and sideways step when you could wait yeah. until Leicester, Tottenham, potentially you say Everton? I mean, I don't know what United. But I don't, is he going to get a look in for those jobs? I don't know. Like I would, I, I'm not saying he might have not made himself available for those jobs, which is why he uh, was never reported in the in the press. But I never saw anything in the press linking Graham Potter to any of those jobs. And I mean, I would have liked to have at least you know, get get that sort of, you know, normally before a, a manager leaves, sort of we've been, it's been talked about for ages about Brendan Rodgers potentially leaving Leicester and he keeps saying that he's going to stay at Leicester. I think, you know, if Matt, if Oli gets sacked, then he could be in at Man United potentially. But it's a, it's a process. You see it in the press. It kind of permeates over a longer, a long period. Whereas I haven't seen Graham Potter link with a job. For, I can't remember the last time. So that just I've worries started me. to see a little I bit recently. I do agree recently. with you. Sorry, I, I've started to see a little bit recently with Potter. It's it's not much, but only a little bit. Oh, yeah. um, Maybe the permeation is beginning. In, in terms of the Stephen Gerrard versus Frank Lampard debate, I understand why Aston Villa have gone for Stephen Gerrard over Frank Lampard, and it's more because of the unknown of Stephen Gerrard for me. And in the sense that there is potential, because we don't know how good Steven Gerrard is. He's obviously gone away to Rangers and been successful. It's, there's obviously terms behind that success. But maybe if he comes to Aston Villa, he could become even better. And obviously he's being kind of already talked about as Klopp's successor in a few years' time. Base, completely baseless links but we just don't know what Steven Gerrard can be I disagree with Joe in the sense that I wouldn't say Frank Lampard was good at Chelsea I would say he was okay at Chelsea and I think I think he was very good 
it was quite obvious that once they moved on from Frank Lampard, they were going to be better. I don't think he deserved to be sacked when he was. I think it was obvious that he was holding that club back. And I, th- I had, from the games that I saw of Frank Lampard, I was always quite underwhelmed by his tactics. But that's more of a, I, I think I know more about what Frank Lampard's going to be versus I have no idea what Steven Gerrard's going to be. So it's kind of, do you want to take what you know, and who, in my opinion, is an OK manager, but I don't think he's going to take Aston Villa to where they want to go at all? Or do you want to take a risk on the unknown who could take you where you want to go, but equally could end up taking you backwards? It, there's a risk there, and it's I don't know what Aston Villa... Yeah. I mean, they Aston Villa clearly want to take that risk, and I, I, that's why I understand why you would want Steven Gerrard over Frank Lampard. I agree. I, I, I think they've looked at it, and I've looked at. I think they've looked at it that exact way, um, and seen it like that. But I think it could go two ways. There's two, you know, very likely ways this could go. Is either Gerrard isn't good enough, and he gets sacked or, you know, they're in the same position further down the line. Or he could end up going for like the Liverpool job or something mm. like that. But in that, I think they they would take that right now because that would have meant that he's done well at Villa in terms of if, if he gets the, the Liverpool job. Mm. But um, I think it's a gamble. Like you said, they, they're taking a risk on Gerrard having more potential than Lampard. Uh, in terms of where he could take them but if it was me I'd probably go for Lampard because I think he has done well at both Derby and Chelsea I think he's you know sort of blooded the youngsters a bit and played positive football and I, I when you look at what he's done so far he's he's done more than Gerrard um, he's been successful uh, for longer um, in both the Championship and the Premier League. So if it was me, I'd probably go for Lampard. But yeah, I can see why they've gone for Gerrard in this case. I agree with that. I probably would take, because I don't think I said I would have gone with Lampard over Gerrard for the security. Mm. True, yeah. I, 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 yeah. No, I was going to say I agree that I think it puts Steve Gerrard on a perfect path um, to... Liverpool I agree that it's a part part of it is the unknown and I think that's kind of implied from as well that one of the key people that has um appointed him was a former director at Liverpool while Steven Gerrard was playing so yeah. it's kind of that emotional nostalgic sort of hope and faith in a in an old you know legend um to come to the club where you're sort of giving him you're taking that unknown and you're looking at it in a through rose tinted glasses as opposed to with someone like Lampard who also hasn't had lots of experience I, these are two managers that have not had lots of experience between them um but because obviously he got sacked at Chelsea you're maybe looking his uh you'd be more tempted to look at his um experience through you know more in a more negative light whereas i think Lampard i think he did exceptionally well at Chelsea i think after obviously Eden Hazard left. We couldn't bring anyone in. The only player we got in um, was Pulisic. And then we were able to turn the loan of Kovacic to a permanent. Um, 
And then he managed to finish in the top four and get to the final uh, of the FA Cup. And then uh, at the end, sort of Christmas time in, his, in the second season, we topped the group in the Champions League, which meant, which gave us the, the framework to go on and win the Champions League later. And we were also top of the Premier League at some point in December. And it just obviously fell apart come uh, the end of January. And we dropped to sort of mid-table, but because it was quite close, I think, at the top. But um, so I, I, I think he's, he's got a lot going there and I think he's going to be a great manager. It's, it'd be, it's going to be tough for him at Norwich, but I think he can get them playing good football, probably playing better than Farker just because he's a new manager um, and the players will probably like him. Um, but Steve Gerrard's on a perfect path to being, becoming the Liverpool manager now, uh, I think. Well, actually, just briefly with what you've just said with Lampard, I think that would actually have worked well if he went to Villa in terms of how when he went to Chelsea and they couldn't sign any players it was a sort of a bit of a transition period I'd say I don't know if you'd agree but mm-hmm. you know it's and he did well and I think with you know with Villa it would be a bit of a similar position they've just lost Jack Grealish they've got some new players and I think he could sort of blend them together and and mm-hmm. play some positive football I think in a bit of a transitional period that actually he's already shown that he can do that. So yeah, no, I didn't think of that. I didn't think that the fact pattern does kind of match in a similar way. You've just sold your best player for a massive fee. Yeah. Um, and then you had to kind of come in and pick up the pieces um, and, and go from there. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited with, I mean, generally with all these appointments, I am quite excited because I, I like all of them. I like Eddie Howe. I, I like Steve Gerrard. <laughs> Steven Gerrard. I like Antonio Conte. And I like Claudio Ranieri. I like Steven Gerrard the least, but I like <laughs> a young British manager who went to Rangers, was successful, albeit not a, an overwhelmingly great feat and doesn't have a lot of experience. But, you know, there's been a lot of chopping and changing and there are a lot of interesting uh, managers um, in the Premier League now. And if you look at Dean Smith, Daniel Fark, Nuno Spirito Santo, Steve Bruce and Cisco uh, Munoz. And then you go Claudio Ranieri, Antonio Conti, Eddie Howe, Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard. You know, I like that that batch of managers. And that's a, that's a quarter of the Premier League um, that's being changed in the course of a month, as Adam said, before the uh, international break. So it's, it's going to be really exciting to see um, the run into Christmas and see how they all do. Um, I think what's surprising to me with this whole batch of new managers is that you've we've seen Chris Wilder go to Middlesbrough in the last week or so and I would say he's better than all of the managers other than Conte or at least he's more of a sure thing more likely to bring stability and I think it's certainly in the cases of Norwich and Villa they're completely going for the future and taking a risk which I, I like in its own sense but it just surprises me when you have a manager who did amazing things at Sheffield United. That team should never have finished where they did. He's an English manager, and I think he would instill a lot of the values you want in a football club. I find it, I just find it odd that he wasn't ever in these conversations, and he's ended up at Middlesbrough. And Do you reckon it's the thing that you said before? It's because he's not some sort of young 
guy with a potential with an unknown element that can instill hope he's sort of a an old hand that people know of and everybody's very familiar with him in recent history because of Sheffield United so he's more of an underwhelming appointment sort of from a mental aspect of the, the people appointing it and from the fans that would be receiving it yeah I mean I just I mean particularly in the case of Villa you know it's quite clear what Villa are trying to do I think it's kind of clear what Norwich are trying to do and they're trying to get younger they're trying to do something in the future I mean particularly Watford and I mean I would say to an extent Newcastle you want a team that's going to be driven that's going to work hard above anything else and I think Chris Wilder would have instilled that in the players more than maybe not no worse than Ranieri and more than Eddie Howard so I just think I just think it's interesting he was left out a lot of these conversations when you're hearing who's on these shortlists for these clubs Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think so as well. I was surprised not to see his name mentioned more. I think they probably, with these appointments, they have gone for the more younger, upcoming managers with exciting futures. Like you said, Joe, Chris Wilder, probably they look at it and see him as a bit of an old hand. And yeah, although he's done well with Sheffield United, um, they were relegated recently. Maybe that's mm. put a few clubs off. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. Who do you think's going to do best out of the five? That's a tough one. Um, I think maybe, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say some of them are long because of the firepower he's got behind him now. Yeah, but, but I mean, by who's going to do best, who's going to outperform your expectations, I guess, is is perhaps a better way of phrasing um, it because Eddie Howe coming even if Eddie Howe came top half this season I don't nec- that could easily be separate from Eddie Howe that could easily just be because they've signed five players yeah. in January and with a really good squad I mean I think Antonio Conte probably has the capacity to outperform where I think Tottenham should be more than anybody else like I also think that he could you know not have a lot of effect on them and they finish eighth but I do think he could turn them into quite a formidable outfit in a short period of time um so I would I would go with I would go with Conte um I think it's between Conte and Gerard. I think Gerard mainly just because we don't know we, we don't know what we're going to see and he could go in there and they could, you know, do a lot. I think it's it's not won't be too difficult to be have to do better than what they've been showing recently. But in terms of where could he take them? Could he go in there and, you know, do really well and then end up getting a Liverpool job? I mean, it's not off the cards. But I think Conte could easily well, not easily, but I think he could potentially win a trophy at Tottenham. And that would be a big thing for them. And that's what they've been craving for years now. So that would, you know, that would be a big success. So, yeah, I think it's between those two. I can predict with Gerard, by the way, is that there's going to be a very awkward um, and supposedly hilarious interaction on Sky Sports between Steven Gerard and Jamie Carragher. You just know they're going to be standing on the side of the pitch. Jamie Carragher's going to be sort of looking over to Stevie and going, ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> Steve's going. Yeah, it was a good game, wasn't it, Steve? Yeah, one hundred and ten percent. 
What was it? What's happening over there? What's going on over there with the air? Over there? Oh, I was just giving 110%, you know. Um, sorry, I cut you off. Who's, who's, no. who's the best? Uh, no, I, I, I agree it's between Conte and, and Gerard, only because they probably have the greatest scope. Well, I mean, Eddie Howe's got great scope to, to do something good, but I don't think... I can see him being sacked in 18 months, two years, because he's not helped Newcastle on the trajectory they want to be on. Yeah. I think Tottenham, as I say, have a great chance to win that conference league. They're the best team in the competition by a distance. I don't think they'll win the the EFL Cup and I don't think they'll win one of the cups next year when he's there. But I think this conference league is as good a shot of a trophy as they could have asked for. Um and that obviously if he there's a good chance he doesn't win that and that would completely undermine what they want to do because I don't see him well, I don't see him getting top four this year and then it depends on what Man United do next year I think um, with Gerrard I think my expectations of Aston Villa are already quite low I saw some people talking about them as potential Europa League contenders at the start of the season which is ludicrous to me um, but I could see Steven Gerrard turning Aston Villa into a top half team over the next two years three years potentially and equally could could, you see them struggling this season i could see them being in a battle with watford Mm. because you just don't know but i think what aston villa have going for them is that their their squad is far greater currently than watford burnley newcastle norwich obviously we expect newcastle to get better they're also better than brentford so I think if Steven Gerrard, and they've got a better squad than Southampton, for what it's worth, if Steven Gerrard, let's say over the next eight games, how many games have we played so far? 11. Let's say if over the next nine, well, over the next eight games would take you to half the season. If he's really struggling to pick up points and he gets five or six points in eight games, Villa are well within their right to sack him, get somebody in and this squad's good enough to turn that around, in my opinion. So, yeah, I guess the other teams don't really have that. Watford, Watford doesn't have that, for example. Yeah, there's there's um, a very clear ceiling. I mean, if Watford stay up, that'll be impressive. But you're already talking about them as a seven. Dilly ding, dilly dong. We are in relegation <laughs> zone, man. <laughs> I I think the biggest shock out of any of the managers is if Frank Lampard could keep Norwich up. <laughs> yeah, I, that, I that would be something. I'd be at his feet, kissing his feet. It, I mean, <laughs> if he can do that. Oh, that that's Where are you? <laughs> the thing is, I say it's unrealistic. They're five points off, like with 20-odd oh, yeah. games to go. Like, I can definitely get better. Get, 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 you know, get on the phone to Roman. Get a couple of good, get a couple of Chelsea loanies, right? Give, give, you know. Um, get rid of Cruel, bring in some championship goalkeeper, and just go from there. Uh, One thing's for sure, Billy Gilmore's going to get game time. <laughs> yeah, you'd have thought so, but I, I don't know. I don't know with Frank. You could One thing that Frank was good at and Tuchel has been good at is rotating the squad. Because um, obviously Gilmore got some game time, but like he was very good at, at um, rotating everyone and not making it obvious who his favourites are or anything like that. Um, and it'd be really obvious and interesting to see. And if Frank is going there in his first game, he just goes, 
Gilmore, straight back in. <laughs> or whether people would you'd think that people would see through that. They've not even been playing camp well, I don't think, lately. I don't know if he's injured. Uh, but... I seen him. They've been playing that guy with the white hair. That I have no idea who he is. Rashika. Is that who it is? I mean, you look at him and you go, he is unlikable. I feel, I mean, yeah, he just they got him on loan. Like a very unlikable person. Yeah. They've been going with him. And I mean, he's got some nice touches, but you play for Norwich, so stay in your lane. <laughs> Quite frankly. He'd love to go out with a few pints with you, Adam. <laughs> So apparently well, Cantwell had some injuries and then Fark's been unhappy with him, his attitude since coming back. How about a minus 21 goal difference? <laughs> Dreadful. <laughs> we want to be an attacking team. You have five goals in the Premier League. Well, that's why uh, Farker was sacked, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, again, like, who's going to come in and do better? Lampard. <laughs> so, yeah, Frank will get six points super, in 11 games. Super. <laughs> Super fast, super, super fun. Oh, he's relegated. Didn't get, can't get, Greg didn't get to finish the song. Yeah. If he can manage to keep them up, I would be amazed. That would be manager really... of the season. That would be manager of the season award for me. Oh, that now that's a thought that you could end the podcast with. <laughs> Quite right. <laughs> Unless David Moyes wins the league, which is looking yeah. equally. I think it's just <laughs> as likely for David Moyes to win the league as it is for Frank Lampard to keep Norwich up. Yeah, make, I'd agree make with that. You, what you will. I'd agree with that. There you mm. go. Little accumulator. <laughs> West Ham to, to win the league and Norwich to stay up. Put your bets on, folks. Incredible. All right, should we wrap it up there then? Oh, yes. Yep. A nice little Christmas bow on top. And I'm Steve Bruce. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Are you getting on after the sacking, Steve? Well, you know, that's not bad. That's wonderful. That's not. That's not bad. Yeah, that's decent. Had a lot of time. I mean, that's to not go bad. Some, Steve's right there. Some Greggs and try the the many wonderful sausage rolls. Hi. It's just the one where they they walk in and he's looking down. He goes, hi. <laughs> about what we've got in the Steve Bruce repertoire, I'm afraid. So. Hello. Hi. So after a... Hi. 